following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Fantastic! If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Luke chapter 17? I want to talk to you today about uh, Noah. What's been on social media? How many of you get on social media? Many of you get on social, some of you just ignore it. But let me tell you, if you're on social media, it's just bombarded social media, the Noah movie. And because I have a lot of Christians uh, that I'm Facebook friends with, I've got some incredibly mixed reports on Noah. Some people love it, some people hate it, but everybody agrees that it's got nothing to do with the Bible. (laughs) It's like, the only thing it's got to do with the Bible is that there's a bloke called Noah, there's an ark, there's some animals, and everything else. There's a flood, uh, but everything else is not there. So I'm not saying watch it. I'm not saying don't watch it. To me, it's irrelevant whether you watch it or not watching it. What I want to talk about is what everybody else is talking about today, and that's Noah. But I want to give you the biblical account. I want to give you the scriptural account. But not only that, I want you to use it as a springboard in conversation. So, you know, I've already started using it as a springboard in in conversations. My my personal trainer um, talked to me while while he was training me just the other day, saying, hey, are you going to watch the movie Noah? And I said, Noah? I said, are you going to watch? Yes, of course I am. I said, that's interesting. Let me talk to you about Noah. Let me talk to you about... The biblical account, and so I was able to share the gospel with him just through some of the points. And I thought, you know what? I think all of our people need to hear this. So let's read what the Bible says in Luke chapter 17 about Noah. Just to, because, and, and, and let me just say to you that this is Jesus referring to Noah. So this is not even the Genesis 6 account. This is Jesus talking about Noah. And this is what he says in Luke 1726, as it was in the days of Noah, so it also will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And then in verses 34 to 36, it says, I tell you, in that day, there will be two in one bed. One will be taken and the other will be left. Now, it does, it's not two men in one bed. It's, the original Greek is two. And uh, it doesn't refer to men. It just says two in one bed. So if you notice in your Bible, if the word men is used, it's in italics. What the italics means is that that's, that word is not in the original text. The translators have just put an extra word in there to make it sense. Then it talks about two, not two women, It just says, two will be grinding together, the one will be taken, the other will be left. Two, not two men, just two will be in the field, the one will be taken and the other left. And so what there is in the Bible is this parallel between the days of Noah and the last days. And I really believe that we're living in the last days today. I really believe that we are today, as it were, in the days of Noah. So let's, let's have a look at one of the clips from um, 
from the movie. You interested in having a look at one of the clips? Yeah, come on, let's have a look at one of the clips. Cool, there we go. So uh, we got the accurate bits and we put it on the video. So uh, <laughs> the rest we've left out. <laughs> so that's the end of the movie. You've now watched it. You got the accurate bits right. <laughs> hey, do you know that there are over 200 accounts of a flood story throughout different parts of the world? So, so anthropologists have discovered that there are over 200 cultures in the world that in their ancient history have a flood story. And these cultures, they come from all over the world. We're talking places like Babylon, Persia, Syria, Asia Minor, Greece, Egypt, Russia, India, China, North America, South America, Peru in South America has stories about a flood culture. Africa, even Australia, the Aboriginals in Australia have a flood story in their ancient culture. Fiji, Hawaii, over 200 flood stories from all over the world. People that never were able to connect with each other to compare notes have flood stories. Dr. John D. Morris, PhD, he studied over 200 of these flood stories to find out the common denominators. And this is what he discovered. 88% of these flood stories talk about a family that was favored. 66 talk about that they were all forewarned. 95% talk about the flood being catastrophic. 66% talk about the flood was due to the wickedness of mankind. 95% say that the flood was global, not just local. 70% talk about the survival due to a boat. 67% talk about animals being saved. 57% talk about survivors landed on a mountain. 35% talk about birds being let out of the ark first. And 9% of the flood stories, and over 200, that's over 18 of these flood stories from different parts of the world, talk about only eight people being saved. Can I just say to you that the probability of those things coming together is zilch, unless it were real. And I think that, uh, that, uh, that what Hollywood has done has actually underlined for us as a church, an incredible message that we need to grab hold of rather than criticize and, uh, and complain about because it's not biblically accurate. I don't care that it's not biblically accurate. I'm just interested that we have another discussion. And so today, I want to talk about what the days of Noah were like because the text that I shared with you was, as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be at the coming of the Son of Man. So let's talk about what it was like in the days of Noah. What it was like in the days of Noah was this. God was removed from being the focal point. I want to talk to you about that for a little while. Because 
When God created us, right in the very beginning, he created us so that we could be the object of his affection and he would remain the focal point of our lives. And so consequently, he would come at the cool of the day and talk to Adam and Eve and he was the focal point. And so everything that they did revolved around God. So God becomes the center of our lives and all we do revolve around God. And I love the fact that you guys are here today because you've put God back in the center of your lives. I mean, I mean, what an incredible thing it is to start the week saying, I'm going to church. And so every single one of you, I want to commend you because you're here today and uh, you might have been dragged here. Someone might have put you in a headlock and dragged you here, but you got here and you put God right there in the center and that's awesome. But in those days, they removed God from the center. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, that the wickedness of man was great. Then it goes on and it says, every intent and thought was evil continually. So God was removed from the focal point and replaced with self and self-gratification. Can I just say, as it was in the days of Noah, is the way that it is today. God has been removed from the focal point of many people's lives and self has replaced the focal point. It's all about me. It's all about my needs. It's all about my wants. It's all about my pleasure. It's all about how does this affect me? Let me talk to you about not just how self has replaced God from the center, but there's two other things that have replaced God from the center in today's world. And so God's been replaced from the center and self has become a central point. But let me tell you something else that's actually displaced God in the 21st century and that's science. So what's happened is that it's not what God says that the majority of people in the West consider, it's what science says. And so science is something that can be proven over and over again. But how many of you know that there are many things that can't be proven over and over again? For instance, how can you, how can you prove how the world began? Because the whole definition of science is that it is real if every time you experiment, you get the same result. And so, and so a law of physics is established because every time you put into practice that theory, it comes to the same conclusion. And so that's how science works. But there's a lot of stuff that comes under the banner of science that requires more faith than believing in God. Because it can't be proven. It's something that's happened in the past. How can you prove it? How can you repeat it? It can't be repeated. But what happens is this, in our minds, science is God. And what does science say? And what is the science of this? And science becomes the central figure. Can I just say that something else has also replaced God besides self and science? I call it an idol. And what is this idol? It's called the politically correct God idol. And you say, what? We've created a new God. This is not the biblical God. This is the politically correct God. And the politically correct God has no gender. It may be he, maybe she. It's got no gender. The politically correct God loves everybody. 
The politically correct God doesn't have a hell, only has a heaven. The politically correct God, he wouldn't even contemplate punishing anyone. Why? Because he's a God of love. Everybody gets saved. Now, what's interesting is this. This is what I find fascinating, is that we worship the God of science all the way to the funeral service. And then when we get to the funeral service, we change. And I'm not talking about us Christians. I'm talking about the majority of people in our culture. They change from worshipping the God of science to worshipping the politically correct God. Because at a funeral service, science has got no answers for funerals. Science has got no answer for the afterlife. And so then we turn to the political correct God. And so when we do the funeral service, it doesn't matter what sort of pagan lifestyle they've received. Now they are leading God's choir in heaven. Now they've all got access to the heavenly. Why? Because God loves everybody and doesn't punish anybody. Big problem with that. Doesn't reflect the God of the Bible. Doesn't reflect the story of Noah. So, so what's, what's the God of Genesis chapter 6 like? The God of Genesis chapter 6 is the same God that we worship today. He hasn't changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Genesis chapter 6 is the biblical account of Noah and the flood. And what we find in Genesis chapter 6 is that there's two very profound revelations about God. And one is about his grief, and the other is about his grace. And the first revelation that we have about God is found in in Genesis 6.6 that says that God was grieved over unrighteousness. And it talks about the Lord was sorry that he made man. He was grieved to his heart. So what does this reveal about God? That God is a God of righteousness and sin grieves God. Sin offends God. Now, let me tell you, it doesn't affect the politically correct God because the politically correct God, he is bigger than sin. He, he is just, well, boys will be boys, girls will be girls. It's the way that it, it's, I'm a God of mercy. I'm a God of love. I'm a God of compassion. But the God of the Bible is offended by sin. And do you know what? The politically correct God is the politically correct one that's been created by the politically correct fanatics. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. Someone's invented the politically correct God because they've got no basis for it. Problem is this, that if you want to believe the Bible, then you have to believe the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible is offended by sin. Why? Because the God of the Bible is righteous. And everything about him is righteous. Matter of fact, when we get a glimpse of heaven, this is, this is what the sound of heaven is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And as soon as that choir finishes, another one starts. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the revelation of God is a God of holiness, a God of righteousness. And can I just say to you that the thing that offends God the most is unrighteousness, is disobedience, is when the heart of man is continually following their own desires rather than God's desires. So that's the first revelation of God that we find 
in Genesis chapter 6. But the second, genera- the second revelation is the God of grace. It says in verse 8, but Noah. I love that word, but. Because we just finished with this grief and this pain and this anguish. And then it launches in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the sight of God. And so you see the God of righteousness, and then you see the God of love. And we've got to hold these two in tension. We've got to hold these two revelations in tension. The God of love and the God of righteousness. Because you can't can't actually overdo it in one direction and not the other. You've got to hold the two in tension. And what we find when you hold the two in tension is God saying, I am so grieved over the sin of man, but I will make a way of escape. I will make a way of salvation. So Noah, build me an ark. I'm going to destroy this world. I'm going to start again. But build me an ark. Build this boat that will survive the judgment. Build me a boat. And, 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 and make it clear that whosoever will can go into the boat. Make it clear. And that's something that the movie just totally misses. Which is the essence of the Bible story. That the Bible story was whoever wants to be saved can be, but they've got to get into the ark. They've got to get into that boat. They've got, because judgment is coming, but God has made a way of salvation. There is destruction coming, but God has made a way where you don't have to be destroyed. Build me an ark, Noah. Make sure the animals get in there, two by two. Make sure you get in there and your family and anybody else. And the Bible talks about Noah being a, a preacher of righteousness for many, many years. Let me tell you again, the movie gets it wrong. Noah wasn't a crazy guy or a lunatic. He was a godly man, someone that found grace in the eyes of God. Someone that was a preacher of righteousness, a preacher of God's love and God's judgment against sin. Can I just say that when you hold these truths together, you find this, that the revelation of God's righteousness says sin must be punished. But the revelation of God's love says, but I will make a way of escape. You hold these two in tension, and that's what it's like today. As it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the coming of the Son of Man. We are in the last days. And in these last days, the same message is the same, that God is going to judge the world. You say, oh, well, that's such a negative message. You can call it whatever you like. I'm calling it the truth. God's going to judge this world. Why? Because as it was in the days of Noah, it's exactly the way that it is now. I mean, the unrighteousness that's happening today, God has been totally removed from the focal point and everything else has been put into the middle of it. The politically correct agenda, unrighteousness, uh, just all sorts of depravity of man is the focal point and that's whatever we want to do. As long as we're not hurting anybody, And as long as we're protecting the world, they're the two main laws. The problem is this, that abortion is actually hurting a lot of people. 40 to 50 million babies are aborted every single year. And we don't think that God's going to look at that and say, what are you people up to? And how can you say, how can you say that you're not hurting anybody when the most defenseless among you are being aborted by the millions 
And anybody that raises their voice against it is considered a mad person, a crazy person, a fanatic, a lunatic. What is the matter with the world that has got that sort of consciousness? Let's save the trees. Let's save the whales. Let's save the environment. Let's kill the babies. Can anybody say there is something wrong with that picture? And you think that God's going to sit in heaven and let that continue? Continue when over the last 10 years, half a billion little babies have been aborted. Over the last 20 years, a billion, a billion little babies have been aborted. And you think that God's just going to let that ride? I don't think so. We are definitely living in the last days. And then you add on top of that, the millions of people that die every single day because there's not enough food for them. When we have more wealth and more riches, matter of fact, we've got so much wealth on this planet that everybody could live as a millionaire if we only shared it. And you think that God's going to sit back and say, yeah, I'm going to allow that to happen when we can all make a difference. We can all, we could rid poverty in our generation. We could just get rid of it like that. There is so much wealth on this planet. Do you know that, that, that uh, 85 people have more wealth. This is, just came out in Forbes magazine. 85 people have more wealth than half the world's population. 85 people. 85 people have more wealth than all of the world's population, half of the world's population. You think it's got to go and sit back and say, I've given you so much and you don't share it, you keep it to yourself? How can you live like that? Come on, let's make a difference in our planet because God's sitting there not saying, oh, you know, you, well, it's, it's okay, everything's okay. You guys, well, you know, I'll fix it all up at the end. No, the story of Noah is this, that there is judgment coming. But there is salvation. Let me finish by giving you five similarities between the Ark of Noah and Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Five similarities. Here it is. Number one, God only made one Ark. How many of you know that? Only one Ark was made. There wasn't five. There wasn't six. There was only one Ark. And the Bible is very clear that Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. One ark, one Savior. Not two, not three, not four, not five. One Savior. This business of always leads to God is an error. It's a deception. It is false. It is wrong. You either believe everything else or you believe Jesus, but you can't believe Jesus and everything else because Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's either a madman or he's a liar or he's Lord. There's no other option. Let me tell you the second similarity between the ark and Jesus. Second similarity is this. Only those inside the ark were saved. And so only eight people got saved and the animals. Eight people plus the animals. Nobody else. Only those. Because the message is clear. Only those in the ark were saved. Here's the similarity. Only those in Christ will be saved. 
Acts 4 verse 2 says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Come on, this is the confidence that we have, that those that are in Christ will be saved. Just as those in the ark had the confidence, if we get in that boat, we will be saved. I'm telling you now, in Jesus, there's salvation. And when you're in Christ, you will be saved. Here's the third similarity. I love this. The Bible tells us that God told Noah to cover the ark in pitch. It was like this bitumen. And he had to cover the whole ark, inside, outside, with pitch. What's interesting is when you do a word study of the word pitch in the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, it's the exact same word as the word that we use today called atonement. So the ark was covered with this atonement. And what the pitch did, what the atonement did, it stopped the judgment of the floods getting into where the people were. There was this barrier between the judgment and salvation. There was, this, there was this pitch, there was this atonement, this barrier that the waters of judgment were trying to get in. They were trying to penetrate the safety of the ark, but the pitch was the barrier. And I want to tell you that the atonement of Jesus is the barrier between the death angel and the life that God has got for us. Just as it was on the Passover, where where they were told, get the blood of the lamb and you sprinkle it on the doorposts of your house and it will atone for your sins. And when that death angel comes to try to get across the threshold of your house to bring death into your house, it will see the blood. It will see the atonement and the atonement will be a barrier between death and life. I want to say to you that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. He is the one that will Stop death and sin and hell and depravity coming into your life. It will try, but when it sees the blood, when it sees the atonement, it will not penetrate. Oh man, I'm getting excited about that. That gets me preaching. The atonement. That word means to appease. That word means to cover over. That word means to pacify. That's what the blood of Jesus has done. It's appeased the penalty for sin. It's pacified. Number four, here it is. The ark only had one door. That's all it had was one door. There was not two doors. There wasn't a front door and a back door or a side door. There was only one door. That was it. All the animals, anybody that went in had to go through that one door. There was no secret door. There was no special door. There was one door. And Jesus says of himself, I am the door. In John chapter 10, verse 9, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And the fifth similarity of the ark with Jesus is this. There was one ark, but that one ark had three decks. How many of you can see the similarity there? There's only one God. But that one God is in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
How many of you can see that what's so clear here is that the ark was a symbol of the coming Messiah? The ark was a symbol of Jesus. It's all in there. Christ in the scriptures is so beautiful. They're for us that as there was salvation in the ark, there's salvation in Jesus. As it was in the days of Noah. What an incredible message it is for you to take to your friends, to take to your relatives and say, hey, have you watched the movie Noah? Well, let me tell you, I've got a story to tell you about Noah. It, and it all finishes in Jesus. Here it is. I'm going to finish as David comes up. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 16, it says this, that God said to Noah, get yourself in the boat. All the animals were in the boat. And then an amazing thing happens. Noah, and again, the movie gets it wrong. Noah doesn't shut the door to the ark. God shuts the door to the ark. It's in God's timing that the door is shut. While the door is open, anybody is welcome. While the door is open, the message is coming. Judgment is coming, but there's salvation. Judgment is coming, there's salvation. The righteousness, the righteousness of God demands judgment, but the love of God provides salvation. Judgment is coming, but there's a door. There's a way of escape. Come. Come, 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 come. The patience of God has come, come, come. Peter writes about this. Jesus has been talking about his, his, his coming, that he's coming, that he's coming, that he's coming. So why is the delay? And Peter responds, he's delayed so that none can perish, but all can come to salvation. So he's holding the door open. Come, a few more, come on, a few more, because we're going to have to shut this door soon. The rain's coming, the flood's coming, the destruction's coming, but the door is still open. Would you come? Would you come? Because the day's coming when the door will shut. I'm telling you, the day is coming when Jesus will return. The day is coming when that trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then those of us which will, will be alive will be, in, the Bible tells us that we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. We call that the rapture of the church. And those that are saved are saved. Those which are lost are lost. I'm telling you, that day is coming when the door will shut. But you know what? We're still living in the day of grace. The door is open. I'm telling you, there's no other name under heaven whereby men can be saved but through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Center Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 